Magic Makers, Kelsey Foremost here, your host of Find Your Magic, the podcast where entrepreneurship and mental health meet. And today I am going back to my creative roots as an actress. You guys might know that I actually was a professional actress for over 10 years before I really dove full speed into copywriting and building my own business. And I learned such invaluable lessons from my time in the entertainment industry, which is why I'm so excited to put that hat back on and speak with my new friend, Taylor Lewis. Taylor is part of a production house called Atomic City with his two brothers, and they are a full service production house out of Salt Lake City. They have creative writers, directors, and editors who handle everything from itty bitty shoots and short films to full-blown multi-million dollar productions. Uh, Some of their clients that you may have heard of would be, oh, Amazon, Microsoft, Slam Dance, Prime Music, just to name a few. They're kind of a big deal, but they come from really awesome, small beginnings. And this conversation with Taylor, you know, he reached out to me. I, I had never met Taylor before, and he reached out to me after hearing a previous podcast episode, and he wanted to come on and talk to anybody who is either already a filmmaker or somebody who maybe is looking to start a new creative venture and give some of his advice on what he wished he had done and what he wished he and his brothers had done when they very first started their production company. And in this conversation, it's so interesting. We talked about, you know, he and his brothers had their company for about 10 years before they really started to make the kind of income where they could fully support themselves with just their production company. And we really talked about what was that tipping point for them? What was the the way that they found their unique voice that made them irresistible to those dream multi-million dollar clients? How did they drum up clients in the first place? How did they fuel the fire of word of mouth? There's so much amazing advice in this podcast episode, even if you're not in a creative field, if you're anybody who is maybe a freelancer or anybody who is trying to kind of break out of that level where you're not quite making enough money with your creative venture to fully support yourself, but you're looking for that tipping point, this is the conversation for you. If you are a filmmaker or you are in that world or looking to be in that world, definitely stay tuned till the end of the episode where Taylor shares a really special freebie and exciting news about a course for filmmakers. This is my conversation with Taylor Lewis of Atomic City. Enjoy. Taylor, thank you so much for reaching out to me and getting on Find Your Magic today. I love when I hear from people who actively want to be part of the conversation. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. So Taylor is part of this amazing group, um, Atomic City, which would you describe it as a production company? Yeah, we're a production company. Um, We like to keep it, we're kind of a fluid production company because there's only like three people that are actually in the company. It's me and my two brothers. And we like to keep it kind of small because it's easier to like 
do smaller projects with just three people and then we can scale up from there and get and hire out more crew members when we have like a big gig when we're doing stuff for like Amazon or Microsoft and stuff like that. Okay. I love that we're starting here because I think a lot of people mistakenly think that when they start a business, they have to scale big as quickly as possible. When in reality, actually staying a little bit smaller and more insular can be really beneficial because you can have more um, input. You can have more creative input. You can do more of what you love. If you stay small for a little while and really understand what it is you want to give. Yeah, we really like that because a lot of times um, in the little in Utah where I'm from, people like creative directors from other companies that we work with come to us like, are you ever going to build like a huge studio? Are you going to hire a bunch of employees? And we're like, no, we don't really need to do that because like in this industry, like there's so many freelancers out there. You don't need to have six editors, six, a colorist, a sound person and like a gaffer on your team. Um, or any of that stuff. You just need a core group and then like freelancers that you can trust and you just build that list out and you can hire them when you do need them. It takes a lot of the stress out of finding new clients and making money every year, which is, which I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, we all enjoy making money for sure. But I love, I love this perspective so much, Taylor, because, you know, I think that a lot of times when we're trying to forge our own path, especially in a creative field, we often look to others who have done it before us. And I think there's a lot of pressure to follow a certain path, right? Like it's almost <laughs> when you're a creative person, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I was an actress for 10 years yes. and yeah. And I remember just talking with my actor friends constantly about how jealous we were of someone who chose a career like a doctor or a lawyer where you go to school and you take the classes, you get the degree, and then you are that thing. That's like a very prescribed path. When you're a creative person, that goes out the window and we sort of attach ourselves to these ideas of how am I going to get quote unquote successful and like try to control the way that we get there. And one of the ways we do that is we try to force ourselves in somebody else's path, when really the most success that I see people having is when they ignore that and they build their own thing that makes them happy and they stay true and pay attention to what is authentically bringing them joy. Yeah. And that's actually, that's a good point you bring up because that's something that we did when we first like started our company because when we first started out like we've been doing this since we were kids like me and my brothers since we were like 12 or 13 we could get our hands on a camera we started doing stuff because we grew up in a little town um in northern utah where there was literally nothing going on like you are there's just nothing to do so we what we did is we grew up um making these little action films in our parents' backyard and trying to light each other on fire, basically. Um, <laughs> Brothers light each other on fire? Never. I know, right? Um, it only really, we only lit one person on fire, really. <laughs> and one person, only like a couple people went to the hospital. Um, Burke that went sounds to, like a win in my book, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how our mom even let us do it. Um, but funny enough, she was like our biggest supporter for all those years. She just loved it and That's still amazing. loves it to this day. Like shout our, out, shout out to Mama uh, Lewis. 
<laughs> yeah, our clients even know our mom still because our mom loves our business so much. She'll comment on anything that we do. And some Yay, of our clients, like <laughs> our clients so even cute. contact our mom sometimes sending your pictures of us on set. Like that's that how much her mom is adorable. See what happens when you have supportive parents, your dreams come true. If you're a parent, support your kids in their creative pursuits. I'm telling you, it pays off. Yeah. Um, and going back to what I was trying to get to, like, so we were, so we grew up doing those things and, um, we like when we actually started our production company, like when we were in high school and like just after that, we always tried to just copy everyone else around us. We saw a really good video. We tried to copy it and we just never really figured out what our voice really was. And it took like 10 years for us to actually start making a living. Um, we were, I think like the most we made a year was like 10 grand, um, which I mean is a lot of money, but like when you make that year after year after year and you're like, 25 and you're still making yeah. 10 grand a year between three, three people, people. Mm -hmm. that's not a lot of money right and it wasn't until we started we found our voice and learned how to tell stories our way that once we started doing that clients started hiring us and we started getting more gigs and more gigs to the point where like within two years of doing that we went from making 10k to $160,000 in a year which... That's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you guys hone in and find your voice? What did you, what did you do? Did you look back at past projects? Did you do this with intention? Did it happen accidentally? Talk, talk to me about that process. Um, what it really came down to was just like, we just started, we, we just like, we just made a bunch of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. we went out, and we made a bunch of commercials. We made um, we made a feature film in that time, a low budget fe feature film where like our whole family were the cast and Friends was the cast and we made it for like under a thousand bucks. It did well, but yeah. So we just like, we went out and we started making stuff, whatever it was, you know, we kind of like, that was our core thing. Like we didn't go to college um, because we didn't have a lot of money to go to college and and things like that. So we just kind of learned through trial and error. Like we made a video, yeah. it wasn't good. The client didn't like it or something. And so we went back and we tried to figure out why the client didn't love it. So then we made another video and got a little better. Um, so just a lot of trial and error. That's kind of how we figured out we need to tell what our voice actually is. I love that. And it's something that I tell my students and clients or friends who need advice all the time. There is no world in which you find your voice and get success without failing. There is no world where that happens. You have to fail. Failure is one or a hundred of the steps on the way to figuring out what your special sauce is. So failure is actually an extremely positive thing because it moves you in a better direction. If you just try to, as Taylor said, copy somebody else's style over and over and over, yeah, you might make 10 grand a year and 10 grand something to sneeze at, but it's not going to like support a family, for example. Um, it's not going to pay off your mortgage or put you through college or whatever it is you're trying financially to do. And if you are trying, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to try to just support yourself with your art, but if that's something that you're going for, you have to consider failure success. <laughs> Does that make sense? You have to consider failure 
to be part of the path to success. Oh, definitely. And another thing that really helped us too, um, to help us like find our voice was like reaching out and becoming friends with filmmakers that we admired. Mm. Um, like a specific story that we have for that is in the years that we were trying to find our voice, there's this commercial contest that was held locally. And um, these two filmmakers were the judges and they were kind of like local famous filmmakers. I mean, they've made some pretty good splashes in the film industry outside of like Utah, but they're still kind of locally famous. And we were like, okay, we need to enter this contest and we need to become friends with these guys. We need to know who they are. We need to, they need to help us basically. And so mm -hmm. I think to that commercial contest, we submitted over 30 commercials the first year it was running. Whoa, that is and a lot. It takes a lot to put a commercial together. You guys, like if you're not in the film world, that's like, <laughs> it's like writing 30 novellas. That's like writing 30 episodes. Like that's just, that's a lot. That's a lot yeah. of work. And some of them were downright crap videos. Like they're not, they were not good commercials. Like we just, if it came to our mind, we we're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go shoot it. And some of them were our little nephew just talking to camera and because we thought he was funny. So we filmed a commercial of it, it and why not? Yeah. And actually a lot of people like that one, but anyway, so like that commercial, we submitted like 30 commercials. Um, and another funny story, the next year we did, we again submitted commercials, but the commercial contest put a limit on how many commercials you could submit because, because of, of us. you. <laughs> um, and then we still submitted 30 commercials that time, but we just submitted under people under fake names and like our That's family hilarious. members. And so the people that we brought to like the award ceremony of the commercial contest just got bigger and bigger and bigger because we still submitted 30, 40 commercials every time. Anyway, um, because of that, we actually got to meet those filmmakers and we became really good friends with them and they helped us by giving us advice having us come on their sets we did we did pas um really grunt jobs for them i think one time my brother Rhett actually went and changed like he was on set of these filmmakers and they were like hey Rhett, can you go change the oil in my car real quick <laughs> like that's the type of pa work we were doing we weren't doing film work we were going yeah. and changing car oils right you know and it's just we did stuff like that and then they kind of helped us hone our craft so magic makers back when i was freelancing full-time and i only had one-on-one -on -one clients i was in such a pickle because i really didn't understand how I was going to be able to scale my business and be able to actually make money without literally putting more hours in my day. I was so burnt out. I was so exhausted. I didn't know what to do. I hated having to hunt for clients every single month. And I am not exaggerating when I tell you the best thing I did in my business, looking back over the last three years is create a signature digital course. And I host that course on Kajabi. Kajabi is a sponsor of this podcast, but I would talk about them till the cows come home anyway, because they literally completely changed the way that I do business and have allowed me to pursue the projects that I really want to pursue because I just make money on autopilot. Now my course is out into the world. It was so easy to create and launch because not only do they have the best customer support I've ever seen in my life, but you can actually build marketing funnels and 
email funnels and like anything that you can possibly think of that you would need as a support for your online course, it's already on Kajabi and they show you exactly how to do it. So if you're like me and you're technology averse, Kajabi is literally the best option for you. And I shopped around and I am so happy I landed with Kajabi. It's the number one, most trusted knowledge commerce platform for a reason. So if you want a 30 day free trial, head to kelseyformost.com slash Kajabi. That's kelseyformost.com slash K-A-J-A-B-I. Yeah. And I want to point out that you know, some people might hear that and think like, oh my God, why would you put up with that kind of thing? But here's the thing. What they did is really, really smart. And there are a lot of ways for listeners to do this in their own businesses and lives. They were surrounding themselves with people who were smarter than them. That is essential for any career that you have, whether you are working a desk job in corporate America or whether you want to be the creative director of your own company someday, whatever that pathway is, if you want to move forward, you have to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. If you act like you know everything, A, no one's going to want to work with you, but B, the stuff that you make is not going to be as good as it could have been had you been more humble and admitted that maybe you don't know everything. Maybe you do need to fail a little bit. You do need to make the crappy 30 commercials before you can make the one hit for Amazon, right? Yeah. And that's a lot of that comes. Yeah. It's just like hard work getting out there failure after failure. And then sometimes you have some success in between there. And although I don't, I will never, I won't tell people like, Hey, you got to go change people's oil in the car to make become successful. Like I would never want to do that. And as a filmmaker, I'll never have my PA do that, but right. it's just, sometimes you got to go through the, the ringer a little bit you know, yeah. to, to get where you want to be. And it's, yeah. And to remember when maybe you're in one of those moments that it's temporary and it's part of the process. And of yeah. course, like never stay in a situation that is like, traumatic or, um, taking advantage of you, but there is value in taking a position that you might think is a little beneath you or is paid less than you think you deserve. If you are getting some really good exposure and good experience and able to make those connections with, with other people in your field. So as you guys were doing those as you were gathering that intelligence and as you were submitting to these contests and creating all this content and you did end up growing and finding your voice, looking back on those initial 10 years, what would you say are a few things that you'd wished that you'd done sooner or maybe known at the beginning when you started? Um, I think some of the things that I look back now is gear And like having expensive equipment isn't really a huge deal when you're first starting out. Like Mm -hmm. I know as a filmmaker, you're always like, I need a red or I need an Alexa. You know, I need Mm -hmm. those really fancy big cameras that cost $50,000. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I need this super expensive camera to get super pretty footage where that's not really the case anymore. Like nowadays, like back when me and my brothers first started it, like you had to spend like four or $5,000, sometimes 10 grand to actually get a camera because we started 15, 20 years ago and Mm -hmm. iPhones and like 
little Sony cameras weren't available at that time. Um, but like nowadays, like you have a camera in your pocket that can shoot 4k. Um, you may not look as cool as some of the other people, but you can still make a pretty good commercial or like a small time commercial with an iPhone. I know yeah. like on multi-million dollar, like I, that sounds really cocky. I probably shouldn't say no, that you're that. good. You're good. That's um, great. But, you should celebrate that. That's the success you found. Yeah. But like on like worldwide campaigns that we've done, like we shoot on a red, we shoot on a Sony a seven S three and we shoot on an iPhone. Sometimes, sometimes mm -hmm. an iPhone is like a really, like you see this shot and it's going to take a minute to boot up a red. So you just pull out your phone, get the shot. And then you just sneak into the commercial and don't tell the client. And yeah. never know. Well, okay. So let's spin this for anybody who maybe isn't specifically a filmmaker. Yeah. I think a really good point, a golden nugget to take out of this is work with what you've got and don't freak out that you don't have the money to invest in equipment or even software or programs or whatever. Don't let that hold you back from starting to create. I know for myself, when I first started out with my, when I decided I was going to be a freelance copywriter, I had my laptop and I could not pay for like a, an email marketing funnel and um, a really fancy website and all this stuff. And so I worked with what I had and I was like, okay, I can afford 20 bucks to make something on Squarespace and I can do that. And I can use the free version of MailChimp for six months. And I'm going to give myself six months to get that first wave of paying clients so that I can start to up-level my resources. And not only did it work for a really long time, it forced me to get creative in ways that I never would have if I hadn't had to be scrappy in the, in the first place. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like that the not needing expensive gear it's kind of a twofold thing it's like you don't need expensive gear and like it's that and you need to learn to um like tell like as a filmmaker you need to learn how to tell good stories you need to learn how to use what you like what you said use what you have to your advantage and learn how to like perfect your skills before you get the fancy gear and then like invest back into yourself and back into your company to then grow it from there. And that's how you can afford the $50,000 camera or like the few hundred dollars software that you need to buy to run your business. Yeah. Yeah. And then people are going to want to pay you the big bucks because you've developed this unique creative voice, right? Yeah. Totally. So you work in a field where you have to find clients a lot. And I know a lot of listeners are in the same boat. I would love any advice that you have, because I think that finding clients is a universal thing that everybody faces, whether you are trying to get clients as a freelancer or you have a big company. What are some of the tips or advice that you have for people who are like either needing to get more clients or maybe even looking for that very first one? My advice for that is, it's kind of a little bit interesting. So with our company, we've never done um, a single bit like of advertising ever. We've the only way the way we have made our career from step one, having zero clients and growing our business all the way up to we do work for Amazon, Microsoft, we've done work for DJI and done a little bit for Disney at times. Um, we've done that solely by the word of mouth by mm. we meet somebody, we're like, hey, 
we want to do work with you. Here's our portfolio or whatever. Kind of how we did those filmmakers. Like we entered that contest solely to just meet them and become friends with them. And we became friends with them. And they are actually the ones that gave us the, the chance to work on our first like multi-million dollar ad campaign. Um, like, so we were friends with them for like three or four years and they were just doing this campaign for this, this local ad agency here. And we were like, Hey, we could do that at the commercials that they're doing. And so mm -hmm. we went out, shot a spec commercial for it and said, Hey, look at this. We want to, we want to do a video for you guys. Um, and here's something that we've just put together that mimics what you've done. And they're like, this is pretty good. Um, we'll give you a chance to do these three commercials. And we did those three and we knocked them out of the park. And then they just kept on hiring us and hiring us and hiring us. And that led to like Amazon seeing those commercials and Amazon contacted this agency. And it's like, Hey, who did this work? And they're like, Oh, it's the Lewis brothers. So then we did it work for Amazon. And then like other departments in Amazon saw the commercial that we did the first commercial we did for Amazon and said, mm -hmm. who did this? And like, it's the Lewis brothers. And so we're like, we did, we kind of worked our way up the totem pole inside of Amazon. Cause they have like different departments that do different commercials and sure. handle different stuff. And like, to the point where we were doing work for like the highest level of Amazon's like commercial ad agent mm -hmm. ad department. And we did the launch video for the Amazon echo. And we did the mm -hmm. launch video for Amazon prime music. And, um, and it's actually funny, like when we did the launch video for the Echo, Jeff Bezos, um, personally told his, like the people making the ad, like, you need to go find these people that did this ad for me. And it was us. Like he personally told, uh, told his company to go and find us to do the Amazon Echo launch video. Do you dream about people coming to your website and telling you, I cannot wait to work with you. I've been looking for this forever. I feel like I already know you. Can I please pay you to help me? Or maybe you just want to feel more confident when you sit down to write something for your business, knowing your words aren't just evaporating into the ether of the internet, but instead are connecting with your ideal customers. Look, after years as a freelance copywriter, I can very confidently tell you that no matter what business you're in, great copy turns words on the page into dollars in the bank, just like magic, which is why I want to make sure you know that my signature course copy class is currently open for enrollment. Now, here's the thing. You can hire a professional copywriter. But honestly, that could cost you thousands and it just doesn't make sense to hire someone every freaking time you need to write something for your business, which is why I specifically designed copy class for non-writers, entrepreneurs who want to learn to write their own high converting copy without breaking the bank or spending hours staring at the blinking cursor of death. Copy class covers everything you need to know from the psychology behind why certain writing works to honing in on your actual ideal customer, AKA people who are truly going to give you their monies to how to write a website that converts start to finish. And finally, how to send emails that convert and sell. So 
If you want to learn more about Copy Class, see what's inside, and hear from past students, head to kelseyformost.com/slash copy class. That's kelseyformost.com slash C-O-P-Y-C-L-A-S-S. That's so cool. There are a couple of things that I want to say about that. First, you have like, don't be afraid to start small, right? Like Taylor's saying word of mouth really is the most powerful. I think the most powerful way to find people And if you are first starting out and you don't have that first couple of projects that you can use to get that ball rolling, work on somebody else's project, like volunteer to work on somebody else's thing in your field or start to connect with other people again, who are smarter than you. (laughs) And once you work with them in a different capacity, then they will start to think of you when they maybe have projects that are coming their way that they don't have time for. That happened Mm -hmm. to me a lot as a freelancer. Someone was like, you know what? I can't take on this project or I don't want to do something that's that low of a budget, but let me pass it to my friend, Kelsey. She's, she's just starting out, but she's really good. I think you'd get along with her. That's a really, really great way to sort of start to generate that word of mouth. And then as Taylor said, you never know how big that snowball is going to get unless you push it down the hill in the first place. And the snowball could be the size of a giant Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that like, like going that route to where we do work with Amazon's that's really great too. But like the fact that that first company that we did work for, like we're still doing work for them 10 years later, like that's just right. last year, that company paid us 140 grand. Yeah. And like every year they're one of our, loyal clients where we make a living just off of what they pay us. But we also, because of them, we have all these other gigs because they recommended us because we were great to work with and stuff like that. So that uh, sort of brings me to something that I was telling you, I wanted to ask you about in the podcast, which is, you know, you've been working at filmmaking for over 10 years, you've reached a certain level of success. And yet you guys are still just a three person company at your core. You've found this creative voice. You've found your groove. What do you do or what advice would you give to somebody who is experiencing creative slumps and burnout when they have to make something creative? Because I know for myself, when my thing that brings me creative joy is the way that I make money. Sometimes it's hard to fulfill those briefs and like do those projects when maybe I'm not feeling super creative. Yeah, that is a good question. And I don't know if I have like the best answer for that. Cause I mean, I'm still learning how to to deal with feeling burnt out. I think something that helps me when I'm feeling burnt out with a specific project, cause it's kind of like project to project that where I kind of feel like totally where like I'm doing work for this client and you like when you carve yourself out a niche that you're really good at you tend to do a lot of that same video over and over and over again or write the same content over and over again yeah like a formula Mm -hmm. yeah and so you can start to feel burnt out of doing that specific type of thing so it's always nice to have like on like some creative outlet For us and for me, it's making a feature film. So we do feature films on the side of our commercial business. Mm -hmm. And that helps me feel less burnout of this commercial stuff. Because sometimes when you get annoyed with a client 
that they're having too many revisions talking about something that makes no sense for a commercial. <laughs> I know nothing. In there. I've never, never been in that situation. <clears throat> yeah. And so sometimes when you just go out and you make something that y- you are solely in charge of, that kind of helps spark some creative, you know, juices flowing. Mm. Like just having something else on the side that's kind of like your own baby where no one else has control. No one else has an opinion. Like if you, someone gives you a critique and that they don't like it, you can just say, I don't care. I'm still going with it because it's I my don't project. Answer to you. It's my baby. Yeah. I love that advice, Taylor. Nobody said that yet. And I think that's such a great, great idea. Have your own project that isn't beholden to anybody else. That's so good. That's so good because I think that that's where we get in the vicious cycle of like, is the client happy getting validation from external sources? Am I getting awards or am I like, am I, can I do anything else? I'm known for this one formula or this one way of speaking or thinking, can I even branch out, do it? And you don't even have to show anybody, like just go back to the beginning and making the thing that brings you joy. And if you feel like showing it to somebody great. And if you don't, then you're the boss of you. <laughs> definitely. I mean, there are definitely some short films that we've made that no one sees and no one will ever <laughs> see because they were bad. And But it was a creative outlet and we got to go actually make something that we felt like was like a narrative story and didn't have like ulterior motives of trying to get people to buy something or like yeah. had nothing to do with the client. And we just went out and made it and it felt really good to make it. It wasn't very good because who knows why, but we made it and it was awesome. It was fun to go make something. Yeah, just go make something. Just go make something. I also, um, (laughs) I think I've brought this up on the podcast before, but it's one of my favorite stories. One of my best friends, before I became a full-time freelance copywriter, she was, she had been a copywriter for years. She was smarter than me. So I asked her advice and I was like, Marion, I'm really, I'm stinking up my computer screen. I feel like everything I write is just meh. I don't feel creative. I don't feel inspired. Like, what do I do in that situation? And she said, well, Kelsey, I'm sorry to tell you that that's math. You are going to write a million things in your lifetime. And simply because of math, half of the things that you write will be below average. And that put it in such just crystal clear perspective for me of like, oh, not every single thing that I make is going to be worthy of a Pulitzer Prize. Not everything that I write is going to be super inspirational and amazing. Not every episode of my podcast is going to be the best episode I've ever recorded. Except for this one, right? Except for this one, obviously. But it's true. Half of what you make is going to be below average, no matter who you are, no matter what you do. So give yourself a freaking break. (laughs) Yeah, for real. That's, you gotta, done is better than perfect. That's kind of better than perfect. That's one of those cliche terms, but it's, it's really so true when it comes to this type of stuff. It's so true. It's so true. Done is better than perfect. I know there are so many of those platitudes. I actually sent an email to my list today where I was like, oh, here are the words that I hate using these buzzwords, but, and phrases like aligned and, um, 
empowered and uh, even burnout right now, I feel is having a moment and done is better than perfect and progress, not perfection. We've heard them a billion times and I'm so over it. And yet they're also, they're popular because they're true. They're popular because so many people are experiencing those things. Yeah, it sucks, but it's true. It sucks, but it's true. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, exactly. Taylor, this is so amazing. I um I want to let everybody know, you know, if you are a filmmaker or if you're interested in filmmaking, Taylor and the Lewis brothers of Atomic City uh have shared a really cool handbook with me. Taylor, is that okay if I put a link to the handbook in the show notes? Yeah, totally. That's awesome. It's the filmmaker's handbook. Why don't you let people know a little bit about what they might find in there? So along with our, I'll give a little backstory to why I even created this thing. Um, Along with our story of just like, it took us so long to like find our voice and to start our company. We um, have since, as we have like more creative freedom now, because we have clients that are paying us money and we have like, we have time to like, set aside time to create other things and, and stuff like that. Um, we created an online course to help other filmmakers get to the point where they're making, uh, five to six figures a year quicker than, you know, what it took us like 10 years. Yes. You know? Oh my gosh. Take the shortcuts. I yeah. feel like a lot of people, especially creative people feel like they have to suffer and like be starving artists before they start really making money. And that's not true. Go to people who are smarter than you, take courses and take the shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> that's and my advice. Definitely. And that's why we created, it's called Film Creator Pro. It's an online course with 70 plus videos and it's still growing. We're still making stuff for it. And it's just there to help the the beginning, the beginner and like intermediate filmmaker who's trying to break above like the five figure mark to go in six figures and how they land big clients. Like we kind of yeah. help contents our 20 years of knowledge into like all these and pack it down to 70 videos to help people out. And so along with that, I created this thing called the, this little ebook called the filmmaker's handbook. Um, and in there, it's just a bunch of, it's a 12 page book that outlines just basic camera settings, camera angles, just like a little cheat sheet where you can have it on your phone. And if you're on set shooting something, you can look down and know, how to expose something or like give yourself ideas on different camera angles of how to shoot this scene or how to light this scene that you're, you're working on right now. And I created it mostly because I know I would have really loved this when I first started out. I even like it kind of now as a, a professional filmmaker, because there's some things in filmmaking that I just don't really understand. And Mm -hmm. like in my brain just forgets it. And so it's like, it's easy to look down and be like, Oh, that's what that is. You know? I mean, yeah, I don't really basics. use it that much, but yeah. No, that's so true. Some, you know, I love this and all of this information is in the show notes below you guys. Um, and also on their website, atomiccity.com. I can't stress enough what a good idea it is. Even if you've been in the game for a while to go back to fundamentals, I retook my own class, my own copywriting class last year when I redid my website and I wrote the class and I still learned some stuff because I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about translating features into benefits. And oh yeah, I forgot about these trigger words to get people to open emails. I should use this. (laughs) 
I can't tell you how much stuff I've learned by actually just making the videos. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm shooting it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is why this does this. Or like, this is why you have, like you light it this way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There, God, there's such value in teaching for anybody out there thinking about making a digital course. I highly, highly recommend it. It really crystallizes things and puts things in perspective. It teaches you more than you would. It's amazing. I, I love teaching. I think it's, um, it's how I want to spend the rest of my time, but I'm so excited about this course, um, that you are sharing and especially because, you know, coming from this Hollywood background of mine, coming from the Broadway background, there are a lot of uh, theater kids and creative souls out there listening. So if you guys are interested in filmmaking at all, please go check out that atomiccity.com and the filmmaker's handbook in the show notes. I, I've looked at it. I've read it. I know there are a ton of really, really great pearls of wisdom in there. So definitely make sure you download it. And it's really, it's really great because it's a, it's a good opportunity to, because like we didn't go to college, we didn't have a lot of money to go to college. And so it's like this, it's not an expensive option to just learn how to be a filmmaker and Mm -hmm. learn how to find networking and the really the, the nuts and bolts on how to really make a living in it. And that's why another reason, like we're not, there's, there's other filmmaking courses out there too, but we try not to like gouge people with the price. Like it's, it's a low price and it's just something that we just wanted to help people, you know, I love become that. better. Thank you so much, Taylor. This has been a great conversation. I'm excited to go back and listen to this again and actually learn again from the basics to exactly what we were just talking about. So thanks for being here. This was great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right, magic makers, you take care out there. Hey, Magic Maker. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic. Magic.